Nonstop Rock Talk with Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. This is your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome David Ellison and Drew Fortier to discuss their latest release, which is a fictional book entitled The Sledge Chronicles Rockstar Hitman. David, Drew, welcome. How are you guys doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Doing good. Good. Now, right off the bat, of course, I mentioned the book, so let's dive into it. Um, I really enjoyed the story. I was kind of gripped to it, and there was like all these twists and turns. Um, kind of give me an idea of the initial idea and concept and kind of who came up with it. You know, the guy, I had a friend of mine, God rest his soul, he just passed away last week, Robert Spector. Uh, we actually thanked him in the book. Um, he called me one day back in December 2019. Maybe late November, actually. But um, he said, hey, where in the world are you today? And I said, I'm in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And he, he's kind of a wisecracker. And he said, you know, we all think you're this rock star, but I'm beginning to think maybe you work for the CIA on the side. <laughs> and I thought, dude, that is a killer idea right there. I'm going to take that and run with that. And um, I literally started, I opened up my laptop as I do and just started putting ideas down. And, and I started to kind of frame out you know, the idea of the book. And I called Drew or I emailed Drew. I said, Hey man, I got something here. And knowing he'd been working on the dwellers film, um, and had this kind of sick, decrepit mind for horror and scary things. I said, Hey, I got something you want to jump in and collaborate with me on it. And, um, he said, yeah, man, I, I, I love it. And, uh, within, I don't know, three, four days later, he sent me over, uh, just a great piece. I went, oh my God, this is just, this just went to another level. Um, so when it comes to beheadings and blood and stabbings and drilling teeth out and other great scary things, Drew's your guy. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, that's, that's how, that's how it started. And, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, uh, those couple of months in 2020, we got the book wrapped up and put it out back in December and uh, uh, where Ellisonstore.com, right? Drew? Yeah, you, that's where you can get the signed yeah. copies. Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple left. Yeah, and otherwise it's through the Ellison Book Company. We put that together because, uh, you know, like a lot of things with the record label, with the film company, you know, once we create stuff, you know, the last thing, you know, the next step is, is then you walk around the industry, you know, hat in hand begging for someone to give you a deal or, you know, um, so we just figured, well, let's button that up right now so we formed the Ellison Book Company and um, that solved that little supply chain issue. <laughs> so now kept, the, kept everything in the house. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, so David, I, I take it you're going to uh, the Ellison Book Company. There's going to be more releases of books then. Yeah, the, there's actually a couple of things. Uh, you know, we as you notice, we called it the Sledge Chronicles. Yes. Sledge being our character. Um, Drew came up with with his name, um, which is which is uh, you know. So we, we said, okay, there's our central figure. And when we were writing the book, as we got even to the end of it, we thought, you know, there's no reason this character needs to end. Like the story needs to end, but this character and his life can continue on. So we actually have book uh, number two in the works um that cool. we're looking to put out probably later this year awesome. and um drew has secured some other titles for us that we're going to start popping out as well so yeah it's pretty good actually because you know just like us um creative content you know creators um you know there's a lot of people out there who have books uh, whether there be memoirs fictional stories whatever um and um you know so we figure look if we got a pipeline and we can help people get their books to market let's let's do it so drew's actually 
active with all that fun. Yeah, and this one's kind of like the first type of concept like this, which is really cool. Like incorporating rock with, um, with I guess you'd call it, I guess murder or whatever you want to call it. But it's it, the story is just it's like one of a kind. It's like I I don't think I've ever re- read anything like that before. Yeah, thank you. I, I would agree. Uh, <laughs> um, that's why. I, to me, it was such a great. It was a. It was a pretty cool idea. Um, and I, I've been wanting to write fiction for a long time. You know, I've got um, four other nonfiction titles out: uh, how-to book, uh, lyric and poem book, and a couple of uh, memoirs. So um, I've wanted to write fiction, and I've never really had the idea. And that's why when my buddy Rob called me with it, I went, "Oh my god, there it is!" And that's how it is. You know, that's how yeah. a lyric, I a song title. Uh, a melody, a chorus, whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, there it is. It just fell in my lap. And that's, I think, that's when you know it's, it's good to run with. Yeah, and I, I mean, I couldn't put it down. And I was telling Drew that as before we started. I was like, I started it, and I was like, and he said, you know, there's all these twists and turns, and, and I'm just like, you're just kind of glued to it, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> like that type of story, right? Which was amazing. I'm so, I'm so glad you got a kick out of it because like I, I tried to go against every uh, cliche you would no, normally read in the book you know yeah it's like usually like you know this would happen to the hero and all that and that kind of base sledge off of like a bruce campbell character like he's kind of like a lovable idiot but he still gets the job done you know so there's some self-deprecating sense of humor in there and he's not like your chest pounding like hero guy you know he's just uh, he's just a goofball and and just, uh, especially when it comes to like um, one of my favorite parts of the whole book is the the, the motel yeah uh part where we're all oh, man yeah you know, gets the wrong guy and yeah and the yeah, that was crazy stolen. that was insane <laughs> and then the guy comes in and he's like you know like he he realizes it and then the other guy comes in who's been kind of his handler i guess you would call it right yeah right oh yeah yeah bob yeah bob. yeah <laughs> which is uh, based on somebody we know actually and uh but uh but yeah it was thinking about it that's a lot of, it was a lot of fun to write man it was it was, it was really cool and and uh, <clears throat> and it's funny too because I was like, let's see how twisted I could get before David's like taps me in the shoulder and goes, "No, Drew, we can't put that in the book." But that but that, that never happened. But that, that is my goal for this next book, though. That's <laughs> cool to go. Yeah, it's it, it's fun though with this because uh, you know it, 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 there's a nice narrative handoff between us. You know, we're all it's kind of funny man, straight man. You know, right? Where I sort of frame out the characters, get the story headed down the tracks, and then Drew gets to throw in some colorful stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was the same thing. He goes, oh my gosh. He goes, dude, you got to check this part out right here. Uh, Sledge and his his girlfriend, uh, there's a moment yeah. there uh, later in the book, as you know. And, and I was like, whoa. I mean, it had me, it had me on edge and had yeah. me pissed off actually when I'm writing it. And then I love the resolve of it um, because, uh, you know, the story gets to carry on. And yeah, you're right. It's... Uh, and it is interesting talking about a book that, of course, probably a lot of the viewers have not read. We hope they will now read it once they see this interview. Yes, um, But yeah, it's, it's um, I guess it's a lot like talking about a song or an album. Oh, track number eight's amazing. I love it when he gets to the solo, you know, and you're talking about something that people haven't heard yet, you know yeah. what I mean? But uh, it's, like descri- yeah. it's like describing a color. Is that kind of hard? <laughs> That's to right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, I, I mean, going to a little bit of basics of now getting to and choosing the name, and and David mentioned this, uh, the stage name of the character, which is Sledge Sledge Seether. 
I mean, I have to be honest, that's kind of like a pretty serious hard-ass name. I mean, that's his stage name. His real name was Toby, I believe it was. How did you come up with that? Uh, Sledge was kind of like, because we we were thinking like, you know, it'd be cool to kind of give him like this, have him be known as like one name, like like a Slash or like a Prince or something like that. Then for some reason, my brain went to... You know, because uh, I think we were planning on having him work at a slaughterhouse like to, to earn enough money to get a guitar and all that. Then my brain went to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, and so, and, and you know, th- th- that whole movie is kind of about uh, how the farming business was changing and how a lot of those uh, farms got left behind. And then so they had to resort to doing certain things to, to, to keep the business going. Right. And then and they would reflect upon, like, how instead of using, like... Um, that uh, at the slaughterhouses, instead of using a sledgehammer, that they turned to using a, the, the air pump to put the cow down and all that. And so, and sledge, it's like the, the book is kind of, doesn't take place in any particular time period. It could be anywhere between like 1975 to like 19, well, even now, you know, it's just kind of in its own little world like that. But, uh, but the, so we had him at the, the slaughterhouse and I was like, I can think of a pretty cool way to, integrate that with the sledgehammer and, and yeah. sledge and it and, and the whole humanizing the cow thing that actually came from something that, that, that my wife did to me uh, she uh, she had me kill a spider and then she my, my wife loves to mess with me so she kind of just created this whole backstory to the spider and I actually got depressed about it for like a day and I was like what did you do you know, and then so, and it was around the time I was writing the book too, and I was like, uh, okay, so this is perfect because like we could use that for the book, and so everybody else could feel my pain too. That's <laughs> awesome. And 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 with and with the tooth thing too, I, would, I actually had a tooth pulled around that time, so I that's why where that scene came from because uh-huh. I had to get a a wisdom tooth pulled that was like uh, dead, and yeah. so and the pain with that with the nerves and everything, and I was like, we got to put this in the book too. I was like, as it was happening, I was typing it out, and I was like. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's so many small town cities in the USA. How did you come up with Delane, Iowa, as the town where where Sledge was initially from? So, admittedly, I I copied names of either bands I like or rock star musician friends I like. So Delane is actually a band out of uh, the Netherlands who I really like. And, uh, so that's where I took it. We spelled it differently. Yeah. Uh, my mom is from Iowa. I grew up in Minnesota, just over the border, but my mom is from Iowa. Um, so I kind of have a kinship to that. As you know, the story, you know, our character starts in this, you know, small town, Delane, Iowa, and makes his way out to Hollywood. So there is a little bit of a, a sort of autobiographical, you know, journey here. Um, you know, I played a lot of those circuits around Iowa, um, so I kind of knew that. Of course, I played the big rock festivals, so I knew kind of how to, you know, lay out the backstage and the stage and the load-in time and the set times and stuff like that. So there, there's, you know, some of this stuff requires some, you know, you want it to be realistic. Uh, even though it's a fictional story, you want things to be realistic. Um, you know, the little small-town music store guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, that whole same thing. I grew up around these piano organ schmidt music from minneapolis uh you know they, they they would have you know that's where i think i bought my kiss destroyer songbook you know it's from some local piano and organ shop so um but toby mccready i kind of borrowed that from tobias of ghost uh mccready who's the uh, guitar player in uh, pearl, pearl jam, jam. Yeah. and uh and uh, mccready was the main character from uh, the thing kurt russell's character the thing yes yeah. exactly so we had wow. this sort of okay. tie-in between cool. horror films rock and rollers so like when the horror film per buff reads it they're like oh my god that, that relates to so-and-so <laughs> if it's uh if it's a rock and roll person they would t- tie the names over accordingly um and there's a few other ones um 
I think even I was thinking of uh, Stephen Adler when I was thinking of the drummer of the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen's been a buddy of mine for many years. Yeah. So I kind of was thinking of his character. Um, you know, at the same time, it's funny as I was creating, you know, you say Toby McCready is, is Sledge's, you know, um, name growing up, his Christian name, and then he, Sledge becomes his rock star name. And I was thinking of a uh, friend of mine who I used to golf with when I first moved here to Phoenix. His name was Tony Coleman. Uh, and, and funny guy had this funny New York wit about him. So I kind of was, in, you know, you sort of, in, you sort of put a face to your character. Um, even, and, and then at some point I kind of went, okay, this, this character is, he's not Tony. He's not from New York. He's got to kind of, you know, pull that away. So I, you know, I wrote a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit of me, but I was thinking about some of my other friends growing up, um, sort of some of their Midwestisms, if you will. Yet, you know, Sledge is a, he's a confident guy. So I think about some of the confident rock and roller buddies of mine growing up who are, um, and even my own sort of self-drive and, you know, aim to like, I'm, I'm after high school, dude, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of the Midwest, man. My destiny is for the big stages and I'm, and I'm going. So, you know, I write, you kind of borrow from a lot of things in your, in your, in your own life to create the fictional story. Yeah, and another funny thing too is with with with, with Sledge is that uh, I I realize that uh, he's only good at two things, really good and confident. Two things that's music and killing, and he sucks at everything else, even driving too. Like when uh, when uh, when Bob finds him, he's driving. He's driving like under the speed limit. He's driving, he's driving too slow. Yeah. And he's, you notice little things like that that he's just a very. The only two things he's amazing at is is music and and yeah. killing. And I know a lot of musicians like that. Yeah, it's like as long as they got a guitar in their hand. And they're being rock stars. They're awesome at it. But as soon as it's like, hey, yeah, we got to drive to the liquor store. <laughs> we need to like, <laughs> pay the electric bill. It's like, yeah. what's that? How do you do that? You know, there's completely no no life skills at all. You know? That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I found, and, and speaking of the music aspect of it, I, I think you guys having played in bands and, and you know being touring musicians, I think that aspect of him and coming up through the ranks of what he was doing you guys have a take on that. So what uh, that was another thing I found great about the book was the fact that you guys have that background. So that's something that's easy to write and it makes it more believable. Where if someone who didn't have that background is writing the book, it may not come across as as well. A lot of those places, like I say, the stages, you know, like I when I was writing the story about where he sort of showcased before he gets whisked off to LA. You know, I was thinking about some of these stages that I've played on with Megadeth, you know, um, sort of you, you pull up, you see the excitement, there's a lot of fans, you see the tour buses are parked, you get excited, you're like, whoa, you're pulling into something that's bigger than you, you know, it's bigger than your own band, it's, it's the culmination of it all. And I wanted to kind of, I wanted to capture that, that it's like, here they pull up, they're excited, this is their big moment, and then they pull up and they go, whoa, this is, this is big time, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, sort of the backstage hustle and, um, and what's going on there. And at the same time, you know, even in LA, I use, uh, where he goes to the rehearsal for this new band that he's joining. Uh, I've been in that very rehearsal room, uh, many times. And so, uh, same thing with small bands going in and, you know, sort of walking in there, you know, meeting some people for the first time, um, yeah, uh, and and just you know you, you got to really be on your game. You're confident, but it's it's scary because you know it's like man, I hope I make the grade. I hope I pass the uh, sort of the audition, or I hope I don't suck. I hope I remember my parts. 
Um, and, you know, so I wanted to create that feeling um, of him walking into something that's much bigger than him. All eyes are watching. Um, he's the guy. I've walked into auditions like that, as I'm sure Drew has, too, where it's like all eyes are on you going, all right, is this kid going to make it here? Is he our guy or not? You know, and, and you want to nail it. So I, you know, and even going to the nightclub, you know, go, I remember going to, um, there's a place, the Rainbow Bar and Grill, Sunset, you know, when I first moved there in 83. And again, I'm just a kid fresh out of high school from Minnesota. Um, you know, had my chops and everything, but I never walked into like, you know, a, a moment that I'd read about, you know, I mean, it was, this is like the modern day Studio 54, you know, like it's, it's, it's sex, drugs and rock and roll. And there's famous people there. Everybody's cool. They kind of got their you know, standing against the wall, they're cool, like the girls everywhere. It's the like Caligula with leather jackets. Yeah, it's yeah. like, how do you even carve into this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what's the, what's the line to get in? You know what I mean? And some guys had to stand in the line out front. Other guys went to the front of the line. They got let right in because they were in the cool club. And, yeah. you know, so just creating the atmosphere of some of that stuff. And in this case, Sledge kind of gets pulled right into the, in, into the inside in, in kind of in a way that I did, you know, when I got there, I met Mustaine. He had the town wired. He was a rock star. People knew him. Yeah. And me being with him, you know, he walked me right into the front of the line, you know, um, just by being in his company. You know? So um, I tried to kind of recreate some of that, um, you know, bigger than life feeling of, of what it's like to be a rock star, you know, in, in, the, in the book, because I've had those experiences as Drew's been in that in those shoes as well. Yeah, and it's it, it's cool. I mean, it's set. It, it's early '90s, late '80s, right? It's late '80s. The book it, it could be. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really. I don't. We, think we it kept it pretty broad. In fact, we we talked about that about what song. Okay, if you listen to Zeppelin and Kiss, and you know th- these are pretty timeless bands that it's like you know they they go so far back, yeah. late '60s, early '70s, really that it's like okay. Is this isn't this isn't a hippie book? So you know it's not the seventies yet. It's not probably today because that scene on the strip and that kind of rock and roll right. kind of feeling doesn't exist yet like that anymore. Uh, it's almost more historical at this point. If you go, you know, the Rainbow Now, you see the Statue of Lemmy. You know, there. You know, it's sort of a walk down memory lane. It's like going to a hard rock cafe. Oh, this is what it's like back. You know what it was like, but. So yeah, that we we talked about that. Like, what is the period piece? And we want we didn't want to nail it into a into a into a. It's funny. I'm read, I'm reading. I just picked up a new John Grisham book, and the storyline is in 1990. Hmm. And so I don't know if he wrote it then, and it's just taken this long to publish it because it just came out in hardcover, or if he wrote the story about that like just recently and yeah. <laughs> published it. So it's very interesting now as I as I read. Uh, to get, you know, where is the time reference, you know, um, and it, it's so we, we wanted to keep ours pretty broad and not very pinpointed. Right. Uh, so that the tale of rock and roll could be told um, without sort of a specific date in mind. Yeah. Um, now, now there is, I mean, even in the beginning of the book, when when Sledge goes to L.A., there's a little bit of darkness in that. Um, because the, the one character who, who he's, you know, he becomes friends with, and I'm not going to give away too, too much about that. He becomes friends with this guy is a junkie. Oh, Robin, Robin. Yeah. Robin. Right. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's another thing that, I mean, in LA at that time was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure David, you were, I mean, 
you were kind of in that as well. Dude, 1983, when I got there, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, cocaine was on the cover of Time magazine that year. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, full on, you know what I mean? And uh, there were still streetwalkers, hookers on Sunset Boulevard. I mean, it was, you know, it was full on. And, um, you know, I always think of the sweet Desolation Boulevard album cover right there, where they're kind of... And that was it. When you turn the corner... Past like you know Crescent Heights, come down around past Chateau Marmont, and you make the turn. There it is. Like that's the album cover with the Arco in the back. There's Tower Records on the side. There's Gil Turner's Liquor. Um, <laughs> FM Station used to be right there. Over to the right, that you can see is the Roxy Theater and the Rainbow. I mean, that was it. When I turned that corner, I went, "Oh my God!" Like we're in the in the sweet album cover right now, and wow. it hasn't changed. It still looks like that. It's it's. Uh, but yeah, when I got there, it was in, it was intimidating to the degree that it was all going on. I mean, Motley had just played the US Festival. You know, Ozzy was getting his musicians out of LA. So uh, Quiet Riot was obviously had was, was headed toward number one on MTV that summer. Um, <clears throat> we I remember going down to the Troubadour and, and Wasp had just played their final showcase for for Capitol Records, and wow. they had just got signed to Capitol, so they were taking off. That's cool. um, Rat was on their way. Yeah. It was it was big and it was exciting and it was fun. I mean, it was just it was so cool. It was fun. It was just a really fun period. Metallica had already you know they had gotten signed to Megaforce and they were you know, Kill 'Em All was going to be coming out and uh, you know so it was and me and Dave of course I could tell with Dave that our thing was going to it was going to work. It was it was going to be something you know and. Uh, so it was just a beautiful time to land there. But you're right. I mean, I was I was the total kid from the farm. I mean, yeah. you know, again, mine my, my is, is that's why the story, I think, for both me and Drew, kids from the Midwest, who both got our, our turn, you know, up to bat in Hollywood, um, and him with Bang Tango, you know. Um, and I remember when Bang Tango came out. I mean, they were on the radio every day. I mean, every hour on KNEC when it was still a, you know, terrestrial station out of Long Beach. Pirate Radio was another new record radio station. Playing, I mean, Bang Tango was every. You couldn't get them off the radio. They were just breaking big. Um, and, and ironically, uh, the, the guy that signed Bang Tango was the guy that signed Megadeth the Combat, Steve Sinclair. Steve signed you guys? Or Steve, Steve signed? There were no kidding. He signed Bang Tango, yeah. And he, he ran Mechanic Records, Bang Tango ran Mechanic. And, uh, but, but they just never knew what to do with them. They, they were just yeah. kind of like... And we like, sat with Steve down at Cantor's on... Fairfax in 1986, and as he was, uh, we were talking about recording Megadeth's second album, uh, "Peace Sells with Who's Buying." So yeah, it's so funny that you know the characters. There's so much, you know, uh, reality, uh, you know, inspires fiction, and fiction mirrors reality, you know. And, and I think that's what this book is, and that's why we got so excited about it. We went, man, let's not let the party end. Let's not let the ride end. Let's keep it going because. A sledge goes to Europe or goes to Asia or goes to South America. There's bad guys he can kill everywhere. I'm just, I mean, I would, like I said, I'm reading it and I'm like, this is like so out in left field. I'm like, this is like, I don't think this could, this could ever happen, but maybe it could. You know what I mean? It, le- it gets you thinking. It's like, was there ever a rock band that this actually, this actually ever happened to? kind of thing you know what that's well you know you think about these management companies and the power of the music business i mean the music business was was a very different business back in the 70s and the 80s it was a lot more um 
you know, it was a more underground, like, hey, uh, forget about it. Like, you know, kind of run business, right? Now it's very corporate. Yes, yeah. it's all that. Um, uh, but it was, it was a very, it was run by a different, let's say, organization <laughs> back in those yeah. days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's another great book called Hitman, which I love. That's why when we were coming up with the title, uh, Rockstar Hitman. We toyed with that a bit, and I love when we settled on Rockstar Hitman because there's a great book that came out in uh, I think the late '80s, early '90s called Hitman, and it was all about the payola scheme oh, right, okay. yeah. of, of you know the, the the record business back yeah. in those days. And uh, so I love you know kind of how we came up with our title and. Um, and then you got the Peter Grant stories, like the the, the stuff Peter Grant yeah, was into. I mean, yeah, and, you know, yeah, right. it, was, it was. This is like bullies and hooligans and gangsters and the mafia. And I mean, you know, back in those days, that's what it was. And then there, then there became a turn. You know, um, you know, when when Grisham wrote that book, The Firm. Uh, you know, he talked in kind of like this intimidating power base of these law firms that could just come in and crush anybody and. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's funny, that adapted into Hollywood. There was, a, there was a, a management company called The Firm. And I remember walking in there one day uh, for some other, unre- you know, other business. And, and it had that feeling, like very intimidating, big league power, you know. You we can make you a break. Yeah, you're no messing with us. Like, you know, and the artists they managed, and they did, Factory Boy, Corn, and all these big guys. Big band, I think Wake Park. Big, you know, big bands that were coming out. So it, it does make you wonder. Uh, and I don't think the firm is around anymore, but it does make you wonder, you know, to the, to the power um, that, that an organization could get to uh, in entertainment or otherwise, you know, venture capitalists. I mean, you know, Jason Bourne and Bond and these guys are born of this stuff. Exactly. These, these entities that think they're above the law. You know That's what right. I mean? So they, they start going out and going, hey, uh, we need this guy to disappear, you know, and um, and, and, they, so, and they route the tour to, to make that happen. That's and right. Then, and it yeah, revolves exactly. around the so tour of who they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the coolest parts is the the agent, or was it an agent, at the at the show, and they have to get rid of that guy. And the way, oh, the promoter. The promoter. Yeah, right? yeah. The promoter. Yeah. Sorry, the promoter. And that was, that was just like, what? <laughs> like, no one. And then, and then people are, like, looking for this guy, and they have so-and-so, and... That was that was genius. That was well, awesome. difficult. Yeah, the, and, and Drew gets credit for that one. And and the uh, and the and the, the 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 kind of the human connection going. You know, I, I actually like that guy. Like this, this is you know, and that you know, like like you know, be, you know, because it's a business in entertainment, like every business, it's a business of relationships. You know, so you're building relationships, and and um, you know. You, you try to be on the good side of the bad guys and you try to stay on the good side of the good guys, you know? And, and, um, yeah. And then all of a sudden Drew comes up with a scenario where you got to get rid of one of these guys. That was, uh, that was awesome. That was unbelievable. And it was, and you know, everybody's run into that shady promoter. So it's like, it's like this one's for them, you know? Well, yeah. well, and you know what? It's funny too, because you're wondering, you're like, after you're like, what did this guy do? You know what I mean? Like, what? Who did he piss right. off, and why? Yeah, and why it, it kind of leaves that, uh, you know, leaves yeah. that for, for your mind to kind of fill in, you know. And uh, that that's kind of you know, get to get a lot of that from like uh, classic horror. You know? Yeah, it's like uh, it's kind of either just hear something or just kind of keep it vague, and it kind of leaves it more open to interpretation. Because once, like, if, if like we would have like ran down the list of things he like actually did. And then it would have been like, it would kind of took away the magic of it a little bit. So like, just like him getting such a brutal death 
um, and, and not knowing why, it kind of gives a little bit more impact uh, yeah, for sure. That was so awesome. <laughs> With the pyro. <laughs> that, 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 that was a fun one to write. That was a cool part. As I mean, as I'm reading it, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, I'm like, this. I would love to see this in a movie. This, <laughs> would, I mean, it would make a awesome movie. But um, yeah. Yeah, we, we've gotten a lot of that right away. People are like, oh, my gosh, when's the Netflix series coming? You know, because you, and you're right. It, it very well could be. Um, if someone has any money laying around, they want to give us a call. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we, we could probably turn it into something. But um, it's it's, uh, you know, it's funny how I mean, you know, the great stories that become movie or TV shows. They're, they're always founded on something like a book or, yeah. you know, a, a screenplay or a story. So, it, you know, everything, even even a, a, an album, you know, the lyrics, they're essentially they're, they're a story. Yeah. You know, so um, if you've got the story. The rest of it can follow, you know. So that's, I think, is the fun of writing these books. Um, and some things get better with time, you know. Sometimes people, you know, look back, they go, wow, you know, that, that, that's a great story. Let's, let's do something with that. So, yeah. Oh, that's hopefully. cool. And then, and then I start thinking about a soundtrack, and I'm like, okay, who's going to play on that? You know, like, your mind is just because you, because I liked it so much and yeah. the whole concept. And, and I'm thinking, there's no other movie really like that. I mean, Ford Fairlane was kind of, you know, it was kind of... I loved Ford Fairlane. That, that was such a, but such a fun It one. was kind of that, I mean, he was the rock and roll detective kind of thing. Right. But this yeah. is a little bit more complex than that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and we do have some music, ironically. Um, you know, Drew and I have kind of tethered this out there a little bit. Uh, me and Drew and uh, Mike Keller from Beer Factory and Ben Dombrowski from... Sponge got together last summer and put some songs together, and uh, we've kind of we've been contemplating when and where it fits. But you know, Vin uh, he went into the lyrics, or he went into the book to 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 actually create some lyrics, and vice versa too. I, I wrote some of the lyrics into the book as well, like uh, like with um, I think uh, Maggot Wind. I fit that in there, yeah, and and, uh, and uh, the, you, You'll see that there's definitely a lot, a, a lot of connections. Like when, once, when, once you hear the album, uh, that Tyson, you, you'll see. Like, oh cool. yeah, that's from the book. You know, that is cool. Well, I look forward to that. Well, guys, um, so let's say again where you can get the book, so that you know, so we'll promote it a little bit. Yeah, more. EllisonStore.com. We have autographed copies there. Otherwise, you can go to Amazon.com and BNN, which is BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, you can go there. Uh, we've got the, the Kindle. Versions, uh, hardcover, softcover. There's also the audiobook. Uh, I narrated the audiobook. So oh, cool. I can lullaby you to sleep with some <laughs> heinous murder stories. <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. That's awesome. um, so, yeah, we've got all the formats covered and, um, yeah, available out on the web. That's cool. And, and you know what's it's funny, David? Um, getting away from the book a little bit, I, I have been trying to get that Ellison Covers album on Amazon here yeah. for months. Wow! Yeah, From Amazon. Amazon.ca, which is different than what you guys have in the states, but it's fine. Yeah. It's finally there now. Okay. okay, good. Yeah, so I was like, I kept looking for it. I, what's that? Sorry. I say, let me know what you think about it. Once you, once you. Well, I've heard a bunch of the songs because I think the last time we spoke, we we actually dove into that album, which was awesome. So, and I'm just, good. Great album. Great. Yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. So I'm looking. Yeah, forward that to was it. a little pandemic. 
don't know, what do we want to do today? I don't know, let's do some covers. And there's a bonus track, there's a bonus track on there too, uh, that, that definitely will listen out for, that's, yeah. that's not listed. Oh, okay. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a fun one. It's, it's yeah, really listen good. through all the way to the end. There actually is a hidden track 19 with, uh, well, let's tell you, with Chips Enough, it's a cheap trick cover with Chips Enough, oh, Drew cool. plays guitar on it. Oh, cool. Um, that's awesome. See, I play bass on it, but yeah, very, very cool little uh, rendition of this song. I assume it's a double vinyl, then, is it? It is a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a four side vinyl cool. double CD. Okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna order it tomorrow, actually, because I just, Perfect. I just yeah. found it yeah. yesterday. So I was like, oh, it's finally here. Awesome. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you make, it's like, okay, if we cut two songs off, we can put it on two sides and the CD, and it's like, yes, yeah, it's like we're already this far. Let's just put it all on there. And then we can put the 19th song on there, yeah. Um, you know, for the CD anyway. If we just made it a double CD, so that's awesome. You know, I can't at wait. At some to point, it. you go. All right, we're already over budget. We're already out of time. Let's just go for it. Let's just do it. That's that's how things go. You know. That's awesome. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much, and thank you. I, I cannot wait for part two for the second yeah. the second part because it was like a cliffhanger at the end, and I said, and I was like, "What? What just happened? This is over." <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely gonna be a longer, bloodier, uh, more more twists. More we're gonna try and uh, definitely outdo uh, this one for awesome. sure. Just kind of amplify it a bit, and it's gonna be international, and it's. Uh, and it's, it's it's actually almost uh, it's, it's almost there. It's about like 75 percent done. Wow! And um, it's kind of probably about a, a weekend's worth of work. Just got to dive in at the right time and the right mind frame. Just kind of hammer the whole thing out, and and, and it's uh, it, it's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, international espionage is a beautiful thing. International man of misery. Okay, guys. Well, you enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tyson. Okay, take it easy. Expires 